I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminism. Feminism perspectives. Is I was, that it? I was downloading my notes and I got really distracted. Okay, doing it again. Do you know how much you just threw off a bunch of listeners? Like they were like <laughs> doing it in their heads. Well, I'm cutting it out. I can't keep this now, or do I have to keep I it? I think now? you have to keep it. Yeah. <sighs> okay. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. We're just really throwing off our game. Wow, Guys, I dropped the ball in the first thirty seconds. We're not used to recording at night. No, we're anymore. Old okay, I'm tired. Okay, I'm tired. Jesus, I'm like, I'm drinking a glass of wine. But I do like that we're back to like our nighttime, like drinking when we record. Oh, yeah. I've missed that. It does give a different vibe. It does. Although, like, let's be honest, there were a few times we were drinking during the day. I mean, we can't lie. We can't lie to the listeners. It's fine. And it's not even like we were drinking daytime beverages. It wasn't like a mimosa or like a Bloody Mary. It was like... Vodka. I never have that stuff in my house. Like, if I'm day drinking on a day off, I'm usually drinking beer or wine. I used to keep Bloody Mary mixins in my fridge, but it got to to be too much work. I was just like, I'm I'm pouring in pickle juice now. I'm doing, like, a whole thing, and it was just too much. It's a lot. Have you ever gone to Handy Market? No. They have a really great selection of, like, wine and beer. It's on Magnolia and Buena Vista. I mm-hmm. think kind of okay. like a Taco Bell, but across. Yeah. And then on Sundays, they do the huge barbecue. Anyways, they have a selection of like basically cocktails in like little, 
like jar bottles. Mm-hmm. So on Super Bowl Sunday, I got like a spicy mango jalapeno. Mm, like, delicious. Was it good? It was so oh, good. I love an easy cocktail. That's a, but it's like it was already made. So you yeah. just buy the little thing and there's th- two margaritas in there. I love like, it. It's perfect. Perfect. I'm going to have to go. Um, that's by where I used to work. So I know exactly where it is. It is by where I used to work. I'm surprised you don't know what it is. It's the best grocery store. <sighs> so for those of you living in the valley... That's a tip from Madigan to you. And the butchers there are amazing. I made the best steak of my life. They should really sponsor us at this point. Right, right. Handy market. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so let's jump into the news. So I have one thing that I'm pretty sure you probably don't have, and it is kind of shitty. So maybe we should start with it. I don't know what you're talking about. So start start us off. Okay. So have you been keeping up with the whole Roger Stone situation? No. Okay, so Roger Stone... I hate to admit things like that. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, no, no. (laughs) The only reason I am is because I get the notifications from the New York Times. They come to my email. I see. And I'm trying really, really hard to not let my email... My email... Okay, this is really embarrassing to admit to you and to our listeners. (laughs) But because I was getting so many casting notifications and I wasn't Mm -hmm. getting on my email every day because I wasn't working a Mm 9-to-5, my email had... 6,000 unread messages. <laughs> <laughs> so I went through and I like marked a bunch as read or At I deleted once? a bunch. Yes. Oh my God. See, that's why I can't do it. Like I check my emails every day. Well, if yes. there's even a hundred, I'm like, oh my God. I mean, I, I still have quite a few in there, but I've gotten oh it down God. to a manageable number. Okay. I've gotten it down to three digits. <laughs> so now, so now like when I get notifications from the New York Times, I like open them to see if it's something I want to keep yeah. uh, or, or I just delete, delete it. it right away. Yeah. So, um, this was a keep. This was a keep because Roger Stone is such a slimy piece of shit. Um, and, uh, Behind the Bastards has an episode or a couple parts episode on Roger Stone if you want to kind of get into, like, why he's so shitty. Um, He is also just, like, a very strange man. He's got, like, a giant tattoo of Richard Nixon on his back. He's a very weird person. Do you want to explain to the listeners and me a little bit who Roger Stone is? I mean, a little. Because I know the name and a little bit about him. Yeah, I can't go into it too much because, quite frankly, I don't remember everything that he's done. He's kind of one of those weird... Uh, figures like I don't he, he was like a political consultant or something like that okay. I don't really know how he became so uh, so influential or whatever right other than he is a longtime friend of Donald Trump it kind of reminds me of when we first talked about Jeffrey Epstein how both of us were so like how did this guy make mm-hmm. this money how did this guy become so prominent yeah and I think Roger Stone he did have a political career right. like I think he did work for Nixon or something like that well I mean he has um, a tattoo of him on his back yes so I'm and I should know this because I did listen to the Behind the Bastard mm-hmm. episode on it but that was a long time ago uh, but what we do know about Roger Stone now or how he's like kind of of um, coming back into the spotlight or why he came back into the spotlight is because he was a longtime friend of Donald Trump and he became the senior advisor on his campaign in 2016. Okay. So that's kind of like why people started talking about Roger Stone again. Um, But he was found guilty in November of lying to Congress and uh, witness tampering related to his efforts to get hacked Democratic campaign emails from WikiLeaks. So he Mm. kind of all came out during the Mueller investigation. The WikiLeaks thing. Yeah, like, you know, like, so many people who were involved with Trump's campaign were kind of indicted. Like, the the president wasn't, but all these other people were found guilty of these, these crimes. And so he 
was one of those. And uh, that was back in November, and then his sentencing recommendation happened on Monday, and they recommended that the judge sentence him uh, on the heavier end of, like, what's permissible for the crimes, and that was seven to nine years. Uh, But on Tuesday... Trump tweeted that the department's recommendation to a federal judge would put his friend in prison, um, that it would put him in prison for that long was unfair. He said very unfair. Okay. And he, this is why I feel like we need to talk about this, is because what he's doing now, I really do feel like since he was acquitted of everything and wasn't impeached. Yeah. He really does have this belief now that he is above the law and that he can do anything and that well, he can do... Well, because he's been told that. Right. And he can do anything very out in the open in a yeah. way that, like, yes, people have always been crooked. I just finished season two of Succession. You don't have to tell me how crooked rich people are. Like, I get it. But, like, usually people have enough wherewithal to kind of, like... Rein it in. Or, yeah, or mask it somehow. They yeah. don't just say... They're not, like, blatantly... Awful. Yeah, they don't say yeah. the thing out loud yeah. that, like, you're not supposed to say. And so he tweeted, um, this is horrible. This is a horrible and very unfair situation. The real crimes were on the other side as nothing happens to them. Cannot allow this miscarriage of justice. What? It's not a miscarriage of justice. It's not your place to step in here. Yeah. He was found guilty. Sentencing isn't up to you as the president. Right. And it feels like you're meddling now um, in, in these affairs. Well, because he thinks that... He, as a president, because he, in his mind, I believe he thinks that the presidency is like a dictatorship. Yes, I think that's what he wants. Yeah, and it is what he wants. So for him to be able to interfere in sentencing and anything else, it just plays into that idea that he has the final say in everything. Yeah, and I also feel like he has this kind of, like, mafia mob mentality of being, like, get it done. You know what I mean? Like, wink, wink, but also, like, I'll break your knees if you don't. Um, So shortly after that tweet... Other more senior department officials than the ones who recommended that he get uh, that Stone get a seven to nine year sentence, they said that they would be reducing Stone's sentence recommendation. Yes. You're kidding. No, no. Um, they indicated that the idea that he would get seven to nine uh, caught them off guard, and they were like, oh, no, 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 we never wanted to do that in the in the first place. And they said that they they hadn't spoken to the White House, but everyone has access to Twitter. I was going to say, you read his tweets. Right, so you definitely saw what was going on. So there yeah. was definitely backlash by the end of Tuesday. Um, all four prosecutors working on the Stone case had withdrawn their names from it by that time because they mm-hmm. were like, we're not going to be like told what to do in this. I think they saw how like crooked it was. Right. And one completely quit the department. He was like, double deuces, I'm yeah. out. You know what I mean? And um, so despite all of this um, at the Justice Department, the Department of Justice, Trump kept going at it. He attacked the judge who would be doing the sentencing on Thursday, accused the jury for woman um, in Stone's case of being biased. And at this point, it's fair to say he's trying to call into question not just Stone's sentencing, but the entire trial that convicted his friend. So he's going after everybody on Twitter. This is our fucking president. And these are this like mob mentality. How does he have so much time? 
I don't to know. To be on Twitter. Well, they call it executive time, which, like, no other president has had. But it's just, like, play time where he gets to watch Fox <laughs> News and tweet. Seriously. <laughs> I'm, like, serious. Are you ready for executive time, Donald? Yes. Are you ready? Do you have your crayons ready? Go have fun. So he also tweeted, uh, congratulations to Attorney General Bill Barr. We know good old Bill Barr, Bill Barr for taking charge of this case that was totally out of control and perhaps should not have even been brought. Evidence has now uh, clearly shows that the Mueller scam was improperly brought and tainted. Even Bob Mueller lied to Congress. And uh, after this, William Barr did something unusual for him. And I've seen people on both sides, like both sides kind of being like, oh, well. Good for him. And I'm like, no, not really good for him. But anyway, he was in an ABC interview, and he criticized the president's involvement uh, through his tweets. Interesting. He said, to have public statements and tweets made about the department, about people in the department, about our men and women here, about cases pending in the department, and about judges before whom we have cases, make it impossible for me to do my job and to ensure the courts and the prosecutors in the department uh, that we are working that we are doing our work with integrity. That doesn't make sense. But whatever. So he's, yeah. he's basically he's saying— He's criticizing the fact that Trump is tweeting these things out to the public. Because he's saying the thing out loud, names. right? Yeah. Like, look, you could talk to Bill Barr privately, but, like, now you're making it hot for him. You're making it look yeah. like he—which is what happened, I'm sure. But you're making it look to the public like— you told him what to do, yeah. and then he went out and did it. Yeah. And he actually said in this interview, he was like, I won't be bullied by anybody because people are coming at him and saying, yeah. like, the president strong-armed you into doing this thing. Yeah, which it makes him look, like, quote-unquote weak It, it does, whatever. and the president did do that. But you can't do that shit out in the open like that, Donald. Um, so William Barr fired back. But, Donald. But that doesn't make William Barr brave. No. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, we don't need to act like this is some kind of, like, big, brave thing. No, it's not. Well, because even he's just kind of like, I won't be bullied by anybody. Like, it's, it is just kind of a macho man move to me. Yeah, absolutely. You know? But anyway, I just wanted to bring that up because I think it's really scary. Like, it's kind of that thing, like, right after the um, impeachment fell through where Trump tweeted that image where he's like, I'm going to be the president for the next 100,000 years. And a lot of conservatives were like, ha, 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 it's a joke. And I'm like, I don't think it is a joke. No. He wants this kind of authoritarian power. He would love to have a dynasty uh, like they do in in North Korea. He would love to just maintain power until he can pass the torch to Donnie Jr. You know, like, that's what he wants. And so I think making light of or ignoring these types of things where he can just say, I know that my friend was convicted of crimes on my behalf and I can mm. step in and say, no, I don't want him to take this much time. And yeah. then the, they'll just do, do it, it is terrifying and it, it should scare terrifying. everybody. Um, I don't have anything particularly horrible this week, um, but I do want to talk about the fact that Andrew Yang withdrew from the presidential race. Yes, I have that kind of tied in with the New Hampshire primary, if we want to just cover all of it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, great. So um, the New Hampshire primary happened earlier this week, and I was kind of following it. I was, you know, sitting at my desk and kind of like following it as it was happening, and yeah. I, I saw on the New York Times what they had projected, and... And they had projected for 
um, Bernie to completely sweep it, mm-hmm. right? With Buttigieg coming in kind of like a distant second, and then it like Warren, then Klobuchar, or something mm-hmm. like that. And what actually happened is Bernie did quote unquote win the primary. Right. Uh, but he did not win it by as large a margin as they were as expecting. Was expected, yeah. So he won with 25.7% of the vote, with Buttigieg coming in second at 24.4%. Amy Klobuchar actually coming in third at 198 That's interesting to me. It's very weird. Yeah, she's been kind of like the fourth place she's, gal. But she's been kind of, I feel like she's one of those like... People who, when you're watching reality TV, like they get really far in the game because they just fly under the radar. I'm just thinking about The Bachelor right now. Just like the, it's the sleeper. Yeah, the sleeper in The Bachelor where you don't pay attention Mm -hmm. to her all season, and then the last, she's suddenly in the final four, and you're like, whoa, do I care about her now? It's the tortoise and the tortoise and the hare, right? Yeah, exactly. She like slow and steadied this bitch like all the way to the end. (laughs) She slow and steadied this bitch. (laughs) And then Elizabeth Warren, like surprisingly came in third at nine point or fourth at nine point two so distant fourth even so she's really lost momentum um but it's been very interesting to see the way that the media has responded to one Mm -hmm. uh bernie kind of being the front runner yeah albeit not by a large margin although i've seen a lot of people like chuck todd was saying like I can't believe we're calling him the front runner. Like when he's really lost a lot of momentum since 2016, he didn't win New Hampshire by as much as he won in 2016. And I'm like, yeah, because he was running against one other person. Yeah. Or like now this vote is being split like so many different ways. Right. Um, but there's more options out there for people to vote for. Yes. People yeah. are freaking out at the idea that Bernie could be the nominee. Like they really? do not want it to happen. Yes, like establishment Democrats are oh, losing. Oh, well yeah, I knew that. Their shit. But I thought you meant like the general public. No, I mean I don't know so much about the general public. I do know a lot of moderate Democrats are like, I don't know. Um but it's more like news organizations and um, they've never liked him. Media outlets. Well, yeah, a lot of their owners. They're owned by billionaires. Yeah, <laughs> of course they don't. Yeah, um, and establishment Democrats don't like it. And so it's gone so far as like I was even reading a uh, a piece that compared. Bernie supporters to Nazis, calling them the Brown Shirt Brigade. Uh, And the coverage has just been, like, openly hostile. New York Times and other outlets are now reporting that the DNC may decide to back Bloomberg as their pick for a centrist Democrat because— Over Biden? Because Biden's not doing well at all. Okay. Like, Biden really, really has failed yeah. both in Iowa and in New Hampshire. I'm seeing Bloomberg ads Yeah, like because crazy. he's self-funded— and his people keep texting me. Stop texting me. I've said yeah, no. Yeah, I don't want it. And um, he it's because he self-funded his campaign. Yeah. So he's able to do that. And that's what he's done. He's self-funding. Yeah. He spent, I, I can't remember how much it was. He has spent, I think, half a billion dollars of his own money uh, on his presidential campaign. And it's something like, one percent of his overall wealth. Oh my god! Yeah, that should freak everybody the fuck out. That's not normal. Like, we don't want this person as our president. Not to mention that, and this is what makes people lose faith in the Democratic Party because 
not only is it that, he's a fucking billionaire, but also the first time that he was mayor of New York, he ran as a Republican. And then the next time he ran as an independent. And then recently, you know, he enforced that stop and frisk, which is fucking racist as Mm -hmm. shit. And then recently when he was asked about it, or maybe it wasn't recently, but the tapes just came out and I listened to them where he was trying to explain or justify it. And he basically said... Well, we had to have more officers in black and Latino neighborhoods because they commit more crime. So That's we needed them there. That's not making it sound any better, dude. No, no, and I think he knew it too. Yeah, and he tried to well, come and defend that. Recently. I can't say in his ads he talks about working with Obama a lot, so I think he's trying to oh, like sway that story. He is, and I and that's why I think that's why the DNC is trying to. Um, get Bloomberg because they need the black vote, and right now Buttigieg has like no none. Mm. Like he's done well in these um, states, Iowa, New Hampshire. But I'm very curious to see how he get does. him into like more of a multicultural yes, state. I'm super curious. Get him into like Chicago, L.A., anywhere or in the South that has a strong black presence. Show me, like, show me how he does. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I'm actually very surprised at how well he's doing. I don't understand it uh, at all, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Right now, it's looking like I'm gonna... My girl, Elizabeth Warren. I know. I might lose her, so I'm... You, we I might, don't know that yet, Keegan. We, we don't, don't know, know that. But I, I will back Bernie if, if that's the case. Yes. Well, I... I knew very little about Andrew Yang because I didn't really feel like... I knew this was going to happen, so I didn't really want to learn too much about his policy, which maybe is a really, like, narrow-minded thing of me to do. But when he withdrew uh, from his bid for president on Tuesday night, I started kind of learning more and more about what he wanted to do as president. And I'm sure a lot of you know this. I'm sure, Keegan, you know this. But just in case you don't, he um, wanted to do this thing called uh, Freedom Dividends, where basically his plan was to give every adult American $1,000 a month to help any financial challenges such as stagnant wages, raising healthcare costs, student loan debt, you know, I love getting that a new idea. job. How? And I guess I guess it's happened in other countries. Okay. But it's had mixed results. Okay. Like it doesn't necess- just because you're giving somebody extra money doesn't mean that they're going to be doing the with the money that you want them to do it to increase their quality of life. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, you can't so, control how people spend it. Yeah, which exactly. Is, which is, you know, I understand what he's trying to do, and I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I'm like, fuck, I'll take an extra thousand a month. Uh, yes, me too. And by the way, like, you and I would, we're responsible. We would do, I would pay off my credit card debt right, right now. Yes, Like, exactly. it would be for good things. But yeah, I, I'll have to look into it more. But I know that it's been done in other countries, and that's kind of what drew him to it. And that was, that's what a lot of people really liked about him, is mm-hmm. that he had this very different idea of helping with, um, you know, the finances of your everyday American, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. Well, I did really like a lot of the things he had to say. He like, seems like a good um, dude. He seems like a good dude. Yeah, like, I I did look at him, and my immediate reaction was to put my hand on my chest and go, oh, baby. Oh, honey. Oh, baby. Because... Are you playing with the big dogs? Because I was like, oh, he's going to get eaten alive. Yeah, exactly. Like, that, that's how I felt looking at him. But I, I will say that, like, even though I knew for sure he wasn't going to make it you know, he made it further than I would have guessed, actually. Oh, he held on. Um, like, he really held on. Yeah. Like, he even bought a huge amount of ads in Iowa before yeah. the Iowa caucus. Yeah. Um, I, I I like him. Um, And I'm glad that he got to have some time 
on those stages. It could help him in the uh, future. It could help him in the future. Also, he had good things to say about, yeah. like, diversity, um, you know, and representation, and I appreciated all of that. And it's about fucking time that we yeah. had an Asian-American, you know, move this far into the primary. Really? Like, honestly, it's about damn time. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, when he called, when he pulled from the presidential bid, he says... I'm a math guy, and it is clear tonight from the numbers that we are not going to win this race. So he's finally just kind of like, I admit defeat. Bless. I'm not going to win this race. But he left a great legacy. And there are people that are, what are they called? His Yang gang. The Yang gang. His Yang gang will stay alive. Just like Bernie did. Like, Bernie's fans still, like, hung out, which I think might happen with someone like Andrew Yang because he's young. He's got great ideas. He's kind of got the wherewithal to connect when you know he's what? speaking. I could see him. I, I can't even. I don't even know if I could see him as like a vice president, but like I could see him working in the cabinet somewhere. I could yeah. see him getting some kind of like um, White House position in the future for sure. I hope that, like in my perfect world, Bernie's president and just like hires all the other nominees that he likes. Beautiful. It's like a utopia. Right? It's just I the love, it. love and hugs and happiness. Right? Well, as of now, there are eight Democratic presidential candidates Can you left. believe we've narrowed it down to Single eight? Single digits, you guys. That's crazy. Very exciting. <laughs> it's very exciting. And I have a feeling Joe Biden is going to drop. I think he's going to drop. I don't think he can handle like much more of this. That's true. Um, he might do well. I've heard the next primary is in Nevada. He might do well there. He's got I can some, see him doing well. He's in got Nevada. some connections there. Although Nevada is very right wing, my experience driving through Nevada was eye opening to say the least. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but it's kind of like California, right? Where it's like certain L- parts of it. L.A. Yeah. is very, very blue. Yeah, but if you drive north mm-hmm. for any significant amount of time the entire middle it's like north you see trump signs yes, everywhere yeah no- norcal is is blue socal is blue everything in the middle is red and yeah. nevada is kind of like a it's like um vegas i think goes blue but everything else goes red and it's a very like it's still the wild west like vegas yeah. i mean nevada is the wild west it's it's funny so. when max and i went to sun valley and drove through nevada uh, we stopped at this gas station on the way there and back, and I got Max's shirt that says, um, don't judge my pit bull and I won't judge your kids. <laughs> and he went in on the way back, and he was going to buy me an NRA hat. Oh, dear. I'm like, that would have been a big waste of money, yes. my love. Uh, <laughs> I will never wear it. No, I'll probably cut it up. Like, not even ironically. Nope. Um, so should we close talking about the Oscars, perhaps? Let's do it, because actually I have something to do with the Oscars, but really quick. I learned something fascinating that I don't have a ton of information on, but basically there is an open investigation on the death of James Brown. Ooh, intriguing. There's some stuff with the doctors and his death and certain things found in his autopsy that have made family members and this one person in particular who is uh, classified as being a circus singer what, she's what, like, yeah, what does that mean? I don't know. But she's like really, she's spearheading this whole investigation and she's getting these attorneys in Atlanta, which is where he died, to kind of open this investigation into his death. I hope she's making a podcast. Right? Because I'll listen she to it. She fucking better be. Um, yeah, it just sounds really fascinating to me. So I had some notes on that, but it's that's basically it, what I just said. Um, so if I learn more about that, I'll let you know. But I found that incredibly fascinating. Totally. Yeah. 
So, did you watch the Oscars last Sunday? I did watch I did the too. Oscars. I actually really enjoyed the Oscars. I this did year. too. I think they did I, a good job. I miss having a host because I do like the bits and anecdotes, but there were a lot of great ones from other celebrities. I kind of liked not having a host. Okay, I kind of, see, but you know what? I mean, everyone kind of like has different feelings about yeah, it. Yeah, there's something about having a host that I feel like kind of ties everything together, where it's the same person you're seeing over and over again. But I think it's also just because it's different. Right. Um, but I want to talk really quick, if you don't mind, about who I think was the breakout star of award season. Oh, please. Uh, Sharon Choi. Do you know who Sharon Choi is? Is she the woman? She is the uh, Parasite director. Oh, my God. Bong Joon-ho's interpreter. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, my and God. And she is so good because... Usually when you see interpreters, they're just repeating what's said. There's no feeling behind it. There's no, like, empathy. There's no understanding of really what the person's trying to convey. And it doesn't leave you with the same feeling of understanding this person mm-hmm. who you don't speak the same well, language Well, you know with. she's an aspiring director, I think. Well, that's what I was going to say. So, she's 25 years old. She lives in Seoul, Korea. She aims to be more than an interpreter. And she studied film in college. She wants to be a director and... um Bong Joon Ho's, why is it so hard for me to say, mm-hmm. actually said in an interview that he was, he's the one that mentioned it. He's like, she's a director and she's going to be really good. Oh, because Bong Joon Ho is a sweet baby angel. Him looking at his Oscars. He's like the his fucking babies. cutest person and, I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and he said, she's working on a script. And so the interviewers were like, well, what's it about? She, Solidarity. I love about, him. It's about award season. She's going to write a script about award season. And he Less. was so, but what's funny is that he's saying all these accolades about her and she's interpreting it. So there's one point where he's praising her on the red carpet, which Choi had to translate, saying, it's very embarrassing to translate, but he said, thanks to me, his campaign has been a smooth journey. I, they're beautiful. I know. I love it. I freaking love it. She's 25 years old. She was so cool-headed and amazing. He went up a lot at the Oscars, mm-hmm. like, and she was so good, and he's so cute. And well, it's like, and she did it for him at the Golden Globes, too. She, the entire yeah. award, from mm-hmm. starting at, um, um, what's the film festival? Sundance. Starting in, like, that time, she's been with him for a year, basically. Yeah. She's been fo- following him around and being his interpreter. So, when... Parasite won Best Picture. I literally screamed. I screamed. I knew out it was going to happen. I did not think it was going to happen. It's never happened it's won before. Everything. But it didn't win Best Picture at the Golden Globes. It didn't win Best Picture. It didn't um, win Best Drama. No, nineteen seventeen won. You're right. No, at first, won, I put nineteen seventeen, and then I circled. Parasite. It won Best Foreign Picture. Yes. And this is the first time that a foreign language film has won Best Picture. Well, and what was funny is that when I was watching the Oscars, Max is like, well, it can't win Best Picture because it won Best Foreign Film. It can win both, but it, but it doesn't, it's never happened It's before. never happened. Um, and it's, I haven't seen it yet. I'm very excited to see it. It's very good. It's very good. I watched Joker for the first time last night. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? Personally, I loved it. I liked it too. I know. I think the I social like we're, commentary. We're bad feminists. No, we're for not. We're good. <laughs> we're good. We're good feminists, Keegan, and this is why. Because only a psychopath would take from that movie as some sort of inspiration. Because you see this man's descent into madness, and you see. You feel bad for him in a way, but at the same time, you're fucking horrified of him. You're absolutely. I was scared of yes. him. That ent- I was. I was watching the movie through my fingers, which I can watch the goriest true crime shit. Yet I'm watching this movie with my hands over my eyes, yeah. peeking. You get secondhand embarrassment too. Super you do, hard. and it's real fears. It's the scene of the woman in the subway being harassed. Mm-hmm. It's um, when he gets a gun. Mm-hmm. It's these things that are real that are happening today. 
that makes it so scary, but it's it needs to be said because I feel like it's showing you what that monster really well, is. And what I really liked was that, and we're going a little long here, but what I really liked about the movie, too, was that it's taken this thing, it really makes you think about this idea we've been fed about superheroes, mm-hmm. right? Where it's just kind of like, yeah, when you really take a look at it, you're like, Bruce Wayne, you don't need to be Batman. You could redistribute your billions of dollars and help Gotham. Well, and, and that's like, a, yeah. You, you see, like, and this, he's this poor. Yes, you see the class disparity and, like, this, what happens when the system fails people who need it. You know what I mean? And, like, yeah. that that's kind of, I think, what they were trying to do there. And sure, it had its faults in, it in certain its, ways. But it was very much a white male rage absolutely. movie. Absolutely. But I think it was done so on purpose. And I think that the controversy is exactly the point they were trying to make. That this is not a sane human being. This is somebody who has dealt with horrible things such as abuse. It's not a a justification. Exactly. But that doesn't give him the mm -hmm. right to behave the way that he did. Absolutely. I personally I think I enjoyed it it too. I thought the cinematography, the colors in that movie, the acting was like phenomenal. Joaquin Phoenix totally deserved to win the Oscar. But what I will say is um, because Parasite is also a class movie. Yeah. And the way that it's illustrated in Parasite is, like, what he was able to do. Like, that movie's art. Like, Parasite is art. I'm so excited to see it. You know what I mean? I'm so Um, excited. It's great. And so I'm so fucking happy that they won. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy that we're getting more Asian representation in mainstream movies that are, like, making money. I'm so happy that we're getting more foreign foreign film representation movies that are not in English. I love that. I love, you know, why it it does exercise. It does, like, make your brain work in a different way to have to, like, read. I I have subtitles on always because I'm not Hearing, where I actually have to read the subtitles. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm already used to it. I'm like, I might as well just it's it's so watch it. And the movie know? is so clever. It's funnier than I expected it to yeah. be. Yeah, uh, excited it's, about yeah, it. Yeah, it, it's it's really good. And it's uh, watch it before people ruin it for you because there are things in it that are unexpected. Yeah, you know? I won't let anybody ruin it. For yeah, me. we're gonna. Uh, my friends and I, who I watched the Oscars with, we hadn't seen a lot of the movies, mm-hmm. so we're gonna try to watch. Them Good. as quickly totally. as possible. Yeah. Um, the last thing that I wanted to bring up just really quickly mm-hmm. is that Hair Love, uh, yes. which was a short film that I had watched a while ago. I, I was real, I, not torn because I loved Hair Love. I also loved Kit Bull. Kit They're Bull. both great. Kit Bull, I watched like twice and I cried both yep. times. It's like if Penny and Matilda became friends. Ugh, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's a wonderful movie. But Hair Love, uh, totally deserving. I'm so glad it won. Um, and also, they brought DeAndre Arnold with them in our continuing series of talking about DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Arnold. Arnold. Uh, they brought him to the Oscars. So if you are behind on listening to our episodes or uh, this is your first episode, DeAndre Arnold was is the teenager from Texas who is not allowed to walk in his graduation because of his dreadlocks. So they saw that, uh, the creators of this short film about black hair, um, all of whom were sporting black natural hairstyles, and they were like, dude, wear your dreadlocks to the Oscars. You can come with us. So um, awesome. All all around, I just want to give a big shout out to Hair representation love. at the Oscars. Yes. Because when I saw the nominee list, I was like, Oscar's yeah. so white for real. For real. Jesus. Yeah. Um, and I, I still think that there should have been more nominees. There should have been, but the fact that there were so many 
minority wins. Is it doesn't still make a win, up for it, right? But it's still a win. But it and shows I'll you that, that. But it shows you that minorities can make really good fucking movies and maybe give them more of a shot than just your so. average white Joe. We'll see if that if that lasts at all. But yeah. I, uh, well, you never know. I like that it happened. So yeah. There's that. It was a great Oscars. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Janelle Monet opened that shit. Yes, she did. She opened that shit as Mr. Rogers. My wife. wife. Yeah. My (laughs) wife. Or your twin. You've got some Janelle Monet vibes to you. <laughs> I get the same like I'll take energy. That. I'll take that. You know? She's got good energy. She has great energy. Okay, you guys, thank you so much for listening to another mini episode. If you want to reach out to us about anything we talked about, you can go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. Um, you can also direct message us on Instagram at angry neighborhood feminist. Uh, we have a Twitter, which we still haven't decided if we're going to keep Nobody's or not. Nobody's giving us their feedback on yep. it. So. Maybe they just stop it before we give the spiel. Probably. Maybe no one actually listens to this whole I mean, thing. I've thought about that. I've thought about that, too. But we do it anyways for you. Uh, so we have a Twitter. It's at Yanf Podcast. Y-A-N-F Podcast. We have a Facebook business and group page. Go ahead and chat with our fellow listeners on the group page, and you can rate and review us on our Facebook page, which we love. Um, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We really uh, appreciate those as well. And if you don't already, go ahead and listen to us on Radio Public. It's a free way for you to listen. It helps us out just a little bit. Yes. And Keegan and I didn't talk about disclosing this in the beginning of the episode, so I'll cut it if we want to. But there's going to be more stuff coming from us yes, soon. Yes, We're yes, yes. Stay tuned. slowly in the process of, through my busy life, me figuring out how to get some more stuff moving with the show. So yeah. we'll let you know when there's more We too. will chat about as I what is this called when you do this with your hands I don't know but it looks really I'm like evil suspicious yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm very suspicious like a jor- like a, my um, hands. like a Mr. Burns Simpsons move ah uh, yes yes alright okay <laughs> alright you guys that's all we have for you today with all that being said we encourage you to rage on, on. bye, bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.